there, everybody, and welcome to the penultimate episode, which is minute 171 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me for this second to last episode is Jason Sersik, Agent Palmer. Welcome back, Jason. Oh, thanks for having me back. I, I, I did well enough the first time. You had me back again. Well, you know, we, we I, I was I was just hoping to start steering you in in the direction of the cooler. So hopefully hopefully that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not, who knows. So yeah. yesterday we 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 finished with Hiltz making his march, which is not a walk of shame. He it's nope. a walk of pride to towards towards the cooler. His I I think I I've come to the realization that Hiltz is most comfortable sleeping in the cooler. Because he spent most of his time there. There's nowhere else where, where he, you know, we never see him in any other bunk. The Wait, only place so we see him is here. You're saying Hiltz is one of those guys that came back after the war and was like, like, you know, he was like staying with whoever. And they were like, why are you sleeping on the floor? He's like, it's comfortable down here. That's right. There's no place. I need something there. hard to lay on. <laughs> That's right. Just give me, give me a baseball mitt and a hard floor and I'm good. <laughs> Episode 171 begins with Hiltz re-entering the cooler once again and goes all the way till we are, get the credit of Gordon Jackson, who plays Mac. So we ended yesterday's episode by seeing we saw his shadow on the wall, and now we get to see him actually show up. He, he comes into that very familiar corridor and starts walking towards us. Now, first of all, I love that they have the main theme of the movie in, in this scene. It just yeah. it it up it gives such an uplifting feel to to the whole thing, and it's just done really well. Yeah, I, it's it's one of those. I, I think it's done in a lot of the movies I like, which might say something more about Hollywood and me than other things. But like I, I think about like the end of Memphis Bell has that score that's also positive and uplifting. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like one of those right, but the difference with that Memphis Bell is is you didn't have there there wasn't very much tragedy. Sorry, yeah, I spoiled Memphis Bell for anybody who. Has... I mean, there, I mean, there, it's okay, fine, but there, you there's know, triumph. There's definitely it, triumph. There's, there's no question about that. But it's not tragic. This movie is tragic, but it it doesn't come across as sad. Well, they the found tragic a way... was, but the tragic was before I got here. The tragic was 168 and 169 when they delivered the the news of right. the casualty. That is true. 170 is all about that comment. That the 170 is all about the commandant going and Hilt returning. And 171, we are now on to better and we're like we're we're upbeat. We're back. Um, you know the the company's not whole. But we're not giving up. Right. Okay. That's true. I I agree with you on that. So they, they, they walk down the corridor. The familiar guard that Hiltz played the trick on weeks and weeks and months and months ago where, where he took the keys from him. <laughs> He's still holding on to his keys really well to make sure that, that he doesn't – that Hiltz doesn't get the better of him. But, but he apparently knows him quite well by this point because the two of them have spent a lot of days on opposite sides of that door. Yes. <laughs> There's no question I about that. I <laughs> have to tell you, the fact that the guard looks more defeated and depressed opening that door than <laughs> Hilt does going inside 
says a lot about that particular guard. That guard is literally doing the bare minimum. Yes. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to be here. Why do you? <laughs> I, I don't want to be in Stalag Look 3, or I don't want to be in the cooler. I don't want to be anywhere. <laughs> like, I want to be on a beach. Well, in well like. He- he probably still wants to be there as opposed to being on the Russian front. Russian front. Well, okay. All right. Fair. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, when, when yesterday we mentioned the fact that Von Luger was talking about, you know, sitting out the, the war comfortably in Stalag Lift 3, that's pretty much the way the movie presents it, that the guards have a pretty easy time. You know, come they on. We, we, yeah. we, we went through almost three hours of a movie and you had one prisoner get shot that was trying to escape. The rest of them, you know, just got out and they didn't catch him. Uh, yeah. They didn't catch him in the camp, but they still did. But, <laughs> but you're right. I mean, this, this the extra that plays this guard, they forgot to tell him that he's supposed to try to be happy, be happy in your work. It wasn't that. Wasn't Not that even the... be. I, I don't know if it's be happy in your work, but just like you know, he he doesn't seem like uh, like menacing. You know, like like I guess one of the things that we can say about this guard is like. At this point in the movie, depending on where you are watching this, there there's a good guy and a bad guy, right? Like, and he's not menacing. You feel you like you actually feel sorry for the guard. Like, oh, I'm so like, oh, dude, like get another <laughs> job, man. Like, get another profession. <laughs> okay, but this is wartime, so again, he doesn't get to choose his profession. Well, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and yeah. he's really tall. Like that dude's huge, by the way. Yes, he like. Is. He's gonna he's gonna train with Drago for like Ooh. fighting against Rock. Like nice that's what that guard's there. gonna do. What do you do mean next. he's he's Drago's father? <laughs> <laughs> Why would he need to train with Drago? He's Drago's well, father. Uh, right. Yep, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. It is possible. Yep. So the the guard basically opens the door, Hilts smiles and walks in into the into his again, they always bring him into the same Hilton, the sweet and Hilton, you know. Yes. They don't. They don't mix and match. They say, "Ah, oh, you, you're, you're good here. This is, this is Hilts' room." Yes. You know. Yes. There's I'm, I'm sure at every other camp he was in, they had one with his name on. That's it. right. I was gonna say they should, they need to put a plaque up. You know, this is <laughs> Hilts was here. <laughs> and then he closes the door. We we get to see that he predominantly actually locks it with the keys. Therefore, Hiltz didn't steal the keys from him this time. And then he starts walking away, and then he hears the sound of the baseball against the wall, which makes him stop. And then he we, we actually get to hear the, the baseball four times, which it means eight beats, because it has the, the beat where it hits the floor and then hits the wall. Yep. So we have eight beats of, of of baseball. Now that kept me thinking. All right. So I know you're a baseball fan. So do you know anything about the durability of a baseball? I know that back then it probably would have been better than now, because um, it would have been real cork that was wound with whatever they wind it with, and then leather, right? So uh, on cement, um, the way he was throwing it, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, he'd he'd be all right. And the reason I say the way he's throwing it is because he's trying to bounce it, right? Right. And he's not trying to throw a curveball, which would scuff it up more. So if it's just taking two impacts, I mean, I I think it would still have a bit of give. Although, as a funny story, 
I worked with my father for a while and we were in tourism and he was gifted, um, you know, like a novelty baseball, right? Like, you know, the kind that they give away at the ballpark on occasion or what have you. And he also had some legitimate real baseball. And he, I walked into his office and he, he, he literally was like, this baseball is dead. And I was like, what, what do you, what do you mean? And he took a baseball that he had caught as a foul ball at a minor league stadium, right? So it's an official baseball. And he dropped it on the floor, which was like a cement, you know, a corporate cement floor covered in carpet. And it bounced almost right back to him, right? Just dropping comes back, right? He dropped the dead ball and it didn't bounce at all. Wow. It was like a thud. It was like, so like, you know, in my experience, as long as it wasn't like a dead ball, it'd probably last quite a while. No, but you'd think it would I last mean, enough time. Let's say he's there. He's in, he's, he's in the cooler, let's say, each time for two weeks. Okay. If he's constantly I, bouncing it. I, we don't know how much he's really bouncing. I was – okay, yeah. I, I, I don't think he's constantly bouncing it because, I mean, his arm would fall off. Well, he's got nothing right? else like, to do. <laughs> well, he's got nothing else to do, but still, like, I just – you know, I mean, the other thing – and this is the – and you, you said this last episode, and I didn't think about it, or this episode, and I didn't think about it, but, like, I guess – Having the ball in the glove would make it a better pillow. Oh, right? that's true. Okay. So, because it, it would give it a little bit of, you know, heft as opposed to just being. So, I mean, technically, maybe it's that for that. And he's just passing the time a little bit. And then the rest of these two weeks in the cooler or whatever it is, he's just sleeping. Okay. Could be. Well, he's, he, as you mentioned, he's trying to think of new plans of how to get out. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, he's got he's got to think about that too. So I mean, I mean, I, I did a little bit of research about durability of baseballs. Do you know in, in currently? I, I wasn't able to find the information about what they did in the 1940s. Okay, but but currently, how many pitches do you think they allow a baseball to be used oh, in no. a real game? In a real game, I feel like it's unless a no unless you've got a no hitter going, and and the and they're trying to hold on to the ball. I think it's like maybe, uh, like let's see, the average at bat is probably somewhere in the range of like seven pitches. So I would say the average lifespan is probably eight and a half. Wow, that that's pretty impressive. The answer is seven to eight pitches. Okay, so yeah, you're, you're you right there. You got to figure that's good. There's there the the balls get fouled away, so those their lifespan's done. You know they don't come back, and pitchers are so picky that they throw, um, you know, they're like, I don't like this anymore and throw it to the, you know, to get a new ball from the umpire. So yeah, that, that. Well, because, because, okay. you know, they got all their snot and, uh, you know, dirt on it to get, give it a little more spin, you know, a little more oomph. Yeah, exactly. And so how many baseballs do you think they use in an average game? If we're talking oh, seven I... or eight pitches. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at uh, like uh, probably seven or eight pitches. Um, I don't know. It's got to be like 100 or something like ridiculous. Because the thing about it is that um, we're not – yeah, I'm going to go with 100. Well, according to what I read, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I, that anywhere between seven and ten dozen baseballs – in the game. All right, so I'm I'm right I'm, I'm around there with 100. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, let's put it this way, that's probably how many they prep, 
right? Because the, 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 the umpires have to rub down the balls and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, that's the thing. Hilt doesn't have that. Like, because, like, a Major League Baseball is, is not clean. Like, it comes clean, and then the umpires go through a ritual of, like, rubbing it down with a certain kind of, like, dirt or sand or whatever. Right. So, um, unless he's just grabbing random dirt from around the Stalag, like, he, that's a, a cleaner baseball, and he's throwing it in cement or concrete. So, that's got to be one of the cleaner baseballs there is. Yeah. He must be like, when they get together for a game, he's like, no, this is mine. This is mine for in the cooler. You get a different ball. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that Goff kept kept the right one. You know, he kept the ball for him. <laughs> yeah. And, and then the, the, the guard locks the door and starts walking away, is listening to the ball bouncing. And then he quickly turns around and then looks back. And you get the impression from him. And to me, this is the message of the movie. You know, you haven't beaten us. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I'm I'm still here. I'm still in a good mood. <laughs> you know, I'm still playing playing with my baseball. So I feel like I and, and I, I've been trying to place this for a while. I watched this movie. I've seen this movie more than once before I watched it for this. But I but I don't know when I watched it. I don't know why I watched it, and I can't tell you the last time I did watch it. Okay, but I will tell you that this time, I mean, I always I liked it, um, and there were definitely scenes that I remembered. Not the the motorcycle scene, like there were definitely like scenes that you that you wouldn't normally think of that I I remembered. But the thing that resonates now, because I have watched a lot of Hogan's Heroes in syndication, um, have we seen Stalag Seventeen also? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, but I go to Hogan's Heroes because Hogan's Heroes had at least three episodes that I remember where the person they were smuggling out, <laughs> like the new transferee that they were smuggling out yeah. was like, why don't you come with us? And he's like, well, I, I'm, you, my duty is here to mess with them. Right. Right. And it's I can understand if if you've never seen Hogan's Heroes. Like or Stalag Seventeen. If you, you've never seen those type of, you know, and you know, Hogan's Heroes played it a little more comedically. But if you've never seen that working for the underground from the inside of a prison camp scenarios, this seems a little bit far fetched. Especially where it's like, why would Hilt go out and come back, right? right? Or why would you know certain people be like, oh, you know. Our job, what we're, you know, is to mess with the guards and, you know, make sure they need more guards and all. But coming from like that Hogan's Heroes, like underlying mentality, because I definitely watched Hogan's Heroes as a younger kid with like my grandparents and stuff. So that was there before I had watched this. So it just makes sense, right? Like this is just kind of more based on a true story than Hogan's Heroes. But like the rest of it still just makes sense. Yeah. And, um, it's weird uh, that that I put those together, but like I feel like we all the context we have for those of us that didn't live through the war is all in the media that we've uh, kind of consumed of it. Yes, and, mostly movies. You know, I've I've been I've been reading a <laughs> lot movies, of Len Dayton. And so I've gone, yeah, I mean, I've been reading a lot of Len Dayton, so I've covered a lot of World War II that way, which is a different perspective of it. Um, 
for me. But for the most part, yeah, it's it's Hogan's Heroes. It's it's the Great Escape. It's Stalag Seventeen, and it's Memphis Bell. Those are my as far as media goes for World War II. That's like my main influence. Okay, well, if you want, I can give you a list of a whole bunch more you can check out. <laughs> I mean, I. I don't I don't know if I seek it out necessarily um but it's I I'm definitely taking a break from World War 2. Okay. Uh reading through all the Dayton stuff, I got a lot more context than I ever and history lessons than I ever thought ever needed really. <laughs> so um but I I've enjoyed it and then you know the other piece is this is a timepiece of a different kind of movie, right? Like, um, the the credits as an example. I love these kind of credits. Okay, we're 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 gonna get there. I, we're just about there. Yeah, but 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 like, I make sure to watch an older movie every so often because I I feel like it's like riding a bike. It's like reading. It's like running. It's like a lot of other things where like, if you don't do it for a long time, you fall out of how to do it or you don't do it as well. And old movies have a certain pace. They're much slower. Um, and I feel like if you don't watch a movie from the sixties or seventies for like, if you go years without watching it and then you pick one up, you go, wow, this is really slow versus if you just, you know, watch a movie from that time period every so often, they never seem slow. Did this, did this theme just, slow to you rewatching it? No, no, but I've been, I've been, you know, I've kept up with it. I've been watching these films. I feel like had I not watched it or had I not been watching films of the era, like I watched Zulu not too long ago. Okay. Right. Um, and another Kane, which is uh, the man who would be King. Okay. But that's from the uh, 70s. And those are, so that's, but but those are still in that long, slower film. Yes, epic. Slower Flow, by compared to like epic. today. Yes, yeah. And so watching this, not that not that different. Okay. For me. Okay, um, that's fair. It's you get into that mindset, like you know what you're in for, and like let's go. Like I'm on a journey, and we're gonna build stuff. So I'm I'm excited for it. Right. And that's kind of. You know, the one I haven't watched, which I own that I need to, is Kelly's Hero. Oh, I just watched that last week. You should see that. Oh, that okay. is so much fun. I, I I own it because I want to watch it. I just I, I need to make the time because it's one of those that's like it comes up so often. That is um, such a fun movie. It's great. And it's got such a great cast well, and whatever. I mean, you got you got Clint I, Eastwood, yeah. you got Telly Savalas, Donald Sutherland. And crap game, Mister Mister, and and Mister uh, Mister um, Mister Fabulous, Mister Potato Head, <laughs> Don Don Rickles, Don Rickles, who's known as yeah. Crap Game in the movie, so that's why I said crap. Okay, so yeah, you you should see that, you definitely see that. And then the guard starts walking away. We continue to hear the the ball reverberate over the you know over over the rest of, over the music of the movie even. Yeah. And then we, we get a big shot, which is this picture is dedicated to the 50, which is great. That's just a great way for them to really end the the last shot of this movie to see, you know, that, yes. that all right, it's been 20 years and 
you know, the movie is very different from the real story, as everyone knows from what we've discussed earlier this week, when when my guests were all people who have some sort of personal connection to the real escape. But still, you can see that they're they're doing this in order to honor them. This was not made yeah. in any way to try to disparage any of them or 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 say what they did wasn't wasn't right or anything like that. So yeah. I, I think this is a great dedication to them, the way that they did this. Yeah, no, it really yeah. was. And and that's basically how the movie ends with, with this or the, the shots of the movie, because then we, we get the credits, as, as you mentioned. I mean, in this minute, we get almost 30 seconds of credits. And the way they did credits back then is very different from the way that they do things nowadays, as as you mentioned earlier. So we get we get only five of the main cast credits here. We get Robert Graff, the ferret, Nigel Stock, who's Cavendish, the surveyor, Angus Lenny, who's Ives, the mole, John Layton, who's Willie Tunnelking, who is one of only three cast members who's still alive as of today. Okay. Gordon Jackson, McDonald, Intelligence. So first of all, by the way, yeah, by the way, go ahead. McDon- Gordon Johnson Jackson. as McDonald Intelligence Jackson. gets so oh sorry Gordon Jackson as McDonald Intelligence gets so shortchanged okay because the ferret the surveyor the mole the tunnel king these are great nicknames intelligence is literally what he does it's not a <laughs> nickname like you like it's it's like the intel or the spy or like like it feels so disingenuous of <laughs> like that he doesn't even have an article as a nickname right right like the rest of them have an article at least and it's just kind of like intelligence uh it, it felt <laughs> a little like wow like when they were handing out nicknames you just got you got left looked over. Sorry. I, I thought you were going to say he gets shortchanged because he gets cut off in this minute because he doesn't get his full few seconds that everyone else gets. Well, he does, <laughs> but you know, everybody else has a much cooler nickname of these five. Yeah. I mean, I love the way they chose which shots to use of all of these characters. And it's so, I mean, because I, I know the movie I so well, it. I can, I can place where every one of these shots is, you know, in what scene they took the shot from. And they it's chose kind well. of, it goes back to like, um, you know, Marvel, I guess, kind of goes into it a little bit when they do the the post before the first post credit scene in Marvel movies where they do like the animatic with the, 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 you know, you know, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. Right. Like and there's like motion to it. Um, but it's not shooting. It's not taking a shot from earlier, which I like that. It's not just static and it's not just text. Right. Um, I, I think we need to go back to this. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. Do you what? what's your favorite movie end credit scene? Do you have one? I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you mine. I'll tell you mine. Maybe that'll that'll help you fresh your memory about something. I'm leaning towards Animal House only because at the end of Animal House, at the very end of Animal House, in like the very first post credit scene, um, there's a reference to Babs. Okay, that's true. And it says, say hi to Babs. When you're, in, when you're visiting like Universal you're Studios. Universal Studios. Yeah. And I feel like I know that that's like 
not quite what you meant, but it's immediately where my right. head okay. goes. Okay, all right. I, I completely understand why you would go there. So for me, the best credits scene that I've ever seen in the movie was Lethal Weapon 4. Okay. okay, where what they did was is they had finally finished, you know, making four movies in the series. And what they did was is they have music playing. They have a song, uh, Why Can't We Be Friends? And they show pictures, f- production pictures from, of everyone, not just the cast. They show, you know, you have the people who are dealing with the catering and there's a shot of all the people in catering where you can see who these people are. Because one of the things that drives me nuts of watching credits, and again, depends on what movie. If you're talking about Lord of the Rings where you have 20 minutes of credits, you know, that, that takes a long time to, to yeah, go through that anyway. But, yeah. but when you're looking at it, you, you want to know who these people are. A lot of times, I mean, not everyone will, will, will get home from watching a movie and go to IMDb and say, oh, who was that actor that was in the movie? So it's nicer if at the end of the movie you can actually see who that person is. So the way they did it in Lethal Weapon 4, to me, is great. I also think that um, like a like a hat tip to Jackie Chan Right. Because like when you watch, like, as an example, one of my favorite Jackie Chan's is, is the legend of the drunken master. And while the credits are running, you see all of the outtakes from the stuff. Okay. Right. Playing. Um, and the, the, the text is over or on the side as you see him like jumping into fire. Right. I remember, right? I remember these like, that's that, a, like in the cannibal run movies and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, that kind of a stuff, but it's, a, it's a very different style too, but I mean, you know, look, all credit to Marvel for getting people to actually sit through the credits. I sat through them anyway, um, <laughs> but I like the idea that in this kind of a roll call, if you will, it's not credits. Like, this is legit a roll call, yeah. basically, and I like that. That's It's missing from cinema today. Yes, I completely agree with you. All right, so you have anything else you want to say about this minute or anything about the movie? I, I just – I still can't get over he got to take a baseball glove into <laughs> this time or any other time. Like that's still still one of my um, – you know, okay, all right. <laughs> that's a thing that he can do. I mean I guess what would be the equivalent now? Like, uh, well, I, I let him take his Nintendo – his Game Boy in there, right. right? Like it's not a phone. He can't contact the outside world, but he can play Tetris. Yeah, but his batteries are going to run the out. That's die. the thing. With the baseball, the battery is <laughs> never going to die unless it becomes a dead ball, as you mentioned. So, yeah. Okay. All right. I, I can see that. I can understand what, what where you're going with that. Yes. All right. So you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you. Yes. Uh, you can tweet me uh, if you did or didn't like any of the things I stated in this episode at Agent Palmer. You can uh, see my writings and rantings on agentpalmer.com, and you can listen to my show. Uh, released every two weeks on Tuesdays, where I have long-form conversations with interesting people, thepalmerfiles.com. All right, excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. You can send me an email at thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. Twitter account is greatescapemxm. And our Facebook group is The Cooler. And just to remind everyone, tomorrow is the final episode of this first season, because... I have decided that I'm doing a second season. We'll see how far, how many seasons I'll eventually do, but the second season. And so I've rebranded everything, and now it will be known as Movie Rob Minute. Tomorrow on Sunday, you will get a special episode, which is the final episode of this season and the final episode of the movie. And then on Monday, we're going to be starting with a whole new movie. We're going to be doing Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, the 1987 comedy by John Hughes with Steve Martin and John Candy. So hopefully 
when you're done listening to everything we have to say about The Great Escape, you'll want to come back and listen to what we have to say about planes, trains, and automobiles. So, Jason, I, I want to thank you for, for, for joining us this, I guess you could sort of say, weekend, Friday, Saturday. I'm glad you, ha- you were able to have time to, to watch the whole movie and, and come and discuss these two episodes with us. Yeah, no, it was an absolute blast. Thank you for having me. All right. I appreciate that. So, until tomorrow, everybody, tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.